So one year ago, this Tuesday, my world and your world got turned upside down. I had taken a pre-planned trip this time a year ago to Nicaragua, of all places. Had been planning it for quite some time. I got to go with a couple of pastors from Cincinnati, uh, also the uh, co-owners, founders of Carabella Coffee. We were going to go, and we did get to go, uh, meet with, talk to, hang out with uh, Pastor Luis down in Nicaragua. He grows all the beans that we buy from Carabello. We support so many great ministries there in Nicaragua just by buying their coffee. It was a great uh, trip that I was excited about. And it still, I look back on the entire trip, and it was an awesome experience. But after sleeping in Nicaragua just one night, I woke up the very next morning to some tragic news that two of our young church members had died. And I was just devastated, sickened, really, and shocked. And then, as if that weren't enough, the next day, um, my phone just started blowing up. Uh, maybe yours was too, with different things going on that week. Uh, but, you know, being in Nicaragua, you can't just quite uh, look at everything on your phone in real time. And I finally was able to catch up to what was going on. And I'm hearing uh, the governor is asking for churches to suspend in-person gatherings this coming Sunday. Then, of course, my sports friends are like, can you believe the SEC tournament is getting canceled? Then March Madness gets canceled and just... Next thing you know, we're experiencing something we never, ever experienced before in our lifetimes. Come back on Saturday, March 14th from Nicaragua. And the very next day we have uh, in our first gathering with no one here except for a family that came because one of their, uh, they had a couple of baptisms that day. That was kind of the real bright, shining light in that whole first week of the pandemic. But we also began one of the most difficult chapters I've ever experienced personally, and I believe this church has experienced, grieving the passing of two people while also trying to figure out how to be the church in a world that had been shut down. 2020 will go down in history as one of the greatest sociological phenomena we've ever experienced in modern history. It's often been compared to the 1918 Spanish flu. You know what one of the biggest differences between that historic event and this one? We all have cameras in our pockets. This is going to be the most well-documented global event in the history of the world. And I don't know what will ever eclipse it, to be honest with you. Hopefully nothing. Hopefully this is something that we're putting in the rearview mirror and we're moving past. SARS-CoV-2 and the disease it causes, COVID-19, will absolutely be the most documented global event. The differing opinions on the right response to this pandemic, let's be honest, it got political quickly last year. We had maskers versus anti-maskers. Some people aligned with either a politician or a political party based on their feelings about the pandemic. And then you throw on top of that some horribly tragic events that happened during the same year that caused us to have a resurgent awareness of this horrible thing called 
racism. Add to that violence against active duty police officers who died in the line of duty. Oh, and just for good measure, let's throw on a a little thing called a presidential election. That never gets anybody riled up, does it? You throw that on top of things, and it was, in my opinion, the most turbulent year in America I've ever had in my lifetime. Just recently, a well-known evangelical leader, Ravi Zacharias, who actually passed away during last year, was discovered to have been living a double life. While publicly speaking at conferences and events as a gifted apologist for the cause of Christ, he was secretly engaging in not just sexual immorality, but sexual abuse. And it was fully uncovered by his own organization. I was not personally an attentive follower of Ravi, but I found the news devastating. Did you think of someone who had done so much good, how could this even be possible? As I think about my feelings about what happened with Ravi, as I think about 2020 and the year that's been since March 9th of last year, I can't help but think of something I want to share with you today from God's Word. It's actually a three-way conversation that happened between the Israelite people their leader at the time, which was a prophet and a priest named Samuel, and then God himself. I want to read to you from 1 Samuel 8, starting at verse 4. It says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, And let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And I'm going to skip the next nine verses because what it does next, and you can go back and read it, it's it's kind of intriguing. This was written so long ago, millennia ago, but it's describing what happens when a people crown someone as ruler over them. Uh, They demand things from you. It describes things that I'm sure you're not thinking about right now. Taxes. It's one of the things it describes. This is what will happen if you declare a human leader over you. He warns them you're going to be paying taxes. They're going to establish a military and your sons and daughters will need to serve in that area. Just saying this is what you're getting into if you want to shift gears into this space of human kingship. So Samuel relays that message to the Israelites. And it goes on to say in verse 19, But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then will we be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. 
The words that jump off the page to me here in 1 Samuel 8 are simply these words. We want a king. We want a king. And I believe that this is a revelation of our human nature. Even here in the year 2021, this is who we are. We want a favorite Christian speaker or author to follow and to admire. We want a political leader that we believe in, that we can trust in, which is very difficult to find. We want a musician, an actor, a public figure, a sports figure to admire and put on a pedestal. We are pedestal makers. We are head crowners. It's part of our nature. And it's obvious, even though at times it might be subtle. For those in this space and watching online that are sports fans, here's a subtle way that we do this. We try to debate and figure out who really is the GOAT, the greatest of all time, right? LeBron or Jordan? Tom Brady or everybody else that ever played football? <laughs> we debate these things because we want to put on a pedestal. We want to crown someone. But the Israelite people didn't just simply say, we want a king. The full sentence they spoke there was, we want a king over us. We want a king over us. This innate desire to be devoted, to have allegiance to something, it's within us to do that. I don't know what it is that causes this, but it seems to be in our nature. We will be become devoted to that someone. We will buy all their records. And yeah, you can still buy records. I'm learning this through my kids. You can still buy vinyls. We'll buy all their books. We'll wear their name on our clothing. We will put more stock in their words than the words of others. We accept what they say is true. And we see something that might be a flaw. We'll smooth it over. It's not that bad. At best, we're huge fans. At worst, we actually idolize them. We love our American idols. Can we just at least own that? Top model, top chef, top bachelor or bachelorette, right? If you think I'm picking on the stuff I don't like to watch, top athlete, top team, top political opinion, top musician, Top dancer who's really a famous person who can't dance normally, but because they're trained by another dancer, we will crown them as top dancer, right? We enjoy these things. We love it. We want to put somebody on a pedestal. We want to put someone on a throne. I'm not judging. I do it too. We all do this. So what do we do about it? Simple. Crown the right king. We need to crown the right king. All the way back in 1 Samuel, I believe God was preparing humanity for a better king. The reason I say that is, does this jump out to you when you look at what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 8 there? Obviously, God was not for them crowning a human being to become king of this nation. But He told Samuel, give them a king. Let them do it. And we see some other instances in Scripture where God's like, well, that's not the best thing, but I'm going to let them do it. And 
in my mind, I got lots of tension about that. Like, you know, God, you're, you're the ruler and creator of the universe. You can just say, stopping you right there, not going to let it happen. He could do that, right? But instead, he lets us make our choices. He gives us free will. And he often redeems that story. And I believe that's exactly what he's doing here as they eventually crown Saul as the first king of Israel. And then the next king was David. But in David's lineage, eventually there was a man born of a virgin named Jesus. God was already planning to redeem this act of rebellion by the Israelites to turn it into an act of victory for the entire world, to all of humanity. That's what God does. I think it's amazing. God let His people have a human king so that one day He could reveal to all people the one true King of all kings and Lord of lords. He is the one who, in about a month, we're going to celebrate and remember what He did. That He took on a crown, but that crown was a crown of thorns. And that by so doing, He conquered death. And He conquered hell. And He conquered the grave. They no longer have a hold on us. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to kneel down at that king. I'm ready to put him on a pedestal. I'm ready to have a coronation for him. There's no one like him. There's no one that you love, that you follow, that you admire, that even compares to King Jesus. He is absolutely the GOAT the greatest of all time, the greatest that ever has been, and the greatest that ever will be. He's not only worthy of our worship, He is worthy of our idolship. He's the only one, friends, as I look back in the year that's we're putting in the rearview mirror, this infamous anniversary that's coming up of the beginning of our world being turned upside down, I have a feeling even people you've admired and were a fan of, at some point, let you down. You know what's good about that? They don't need to have a crown on their head. It's time to remove the crown from the heads of the human beings and the stuff that we admire, that we put our trust in, that we hope in, and put that crown on the rightful king, the one who will always be the one who will reign forever and he will reign well. The one who created you and he knows every intimate detail about you, your heart, your soul, and your life. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. And he wishes to shepherd you. And he wishes to guide you. He's the one that came to not be served, but to serve and to lay down his life for many. And that's the one, friends, that if you will crown him, He will change your life forever. He will cause you to see everything else through a different lens. So that yes, when people around us and institutions around us let us down, and when the world seems to be upside down because of all kinds of circumstances, we can still have peace, we can still have joy, we can still have hope, we can still live a life of love. Because those were not king of our life anyway. There was only ever one king. And His name is Jesus. It's my own personal hope that I never forget this because there will come a time 
when this pandemic will be so far in the rearview mirror that we might forget. And we might forget the lessons we learned. Who's really in control? Who's really worthy of our worship? What life is really all about? What really matters most? Oh, friends, I hope we never do that. I want to read to you one more passage as we close. 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 12. I love this passage. The first sentence is huge. Fight the good fight of the faith. As I look back on this past year, we fought some fights. Sometimes they were the good fight, and sometimes I think we got off track a little bit, didn't we, at times? Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time, God the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. That's our king, friends. And I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus, ask this of yourself, is Jesus my one and only king? Is he your one and only king? Do an inventory of the throne room of your heart. Who is there? What is there? What are you hoping in above all things? What are you trusting in above all things? What are you living for above all things? And friends, I will tell you right now, if it's something or someone other than King Jesus, it's just not going to work. But if today you have a coronation of Jesus in your life, it could change everything. And you know what? In this room and online, as you're watching and listening, you may have never crowned Him as King of your life. If so, I invite you right here, right now, to crown Him Lord and King and Ruler of your life and watch and see what He'll do next. And I will say, there are those watching and listening online and those in this room that if you're being really honest with yourself, you probably did that at some point in your life, but somewhere along the way, Something else scooted Jesus off the throne of your heart. You know what? He's been waiting for you to give Him back His seat. Let Him have it starting today. Let's pray together. Will you bow with me? And while I pray out loud, I invite you to pray to King Jesus right where you are in the quietness of this moment. Oh Lord, our Father, I come before you and I ask you to forgive me for the times that I idolized and worshipped something or someone other than you. Where I gave something or someone else the place that was only rightfully yours in my heart. And right here and right now, I crown you as King of all. King of my life. 
ask that you would lead me, guide me, shepherd me into your good and perfect will for me. Not for my glory, but for your glory. So that others will see that you are the source of life. Oh God, help us to fight the good fight of the faith. To take hold of the eternal life that you sent your son, King Jesus, to die for us to have. Oh Lord, I pray that we walk away from this worship experience today under the amazing, glorious, loving, hope-filled, peace-filled lordship of you. And I pray it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Hey, listen, if you did that just now, maybe you crowned him king for the first time or re-crowned him because you needed to make a comeback to him, please let us know that. We just want to pray with you. I just want to encourage you. All you have to do is take your mobile device and text next step to 77414. But we're going to continue to worship together while you think about communicating that, this song that we're about to sing to our King, King Jesus, about Him, inviting us to come and inviting Him, inviting us into worshiping Him and the change that He wants to make in our lives. As we sing this song, here in this place, this altar is open. And if you need to come and kneel before the king and just pray to him, I invite you to do so. If there's further next steps you need to take with Jesus, I'll be standing right down here in this area. I would count it an honor to pray with you and encourage you. Let's stand together. Let's worship King Jesus as we sing.